If you're leading a company in crisis, what should you do? Manage the top line, manage the bottom line, or try to focus on both? There's no one perfect, one size fits all answer, but there are definitely some key learnings that we can have by looking at the three strategies, which we'll do today in this episode. Our focus is on understanding why a business might succeed more by deploying one strategy over another, both in the short and the long term, and when those strategies may not be right. We'll dive into that and more in this episode. Businesses in crisis have three choices, focus on the top line, focus on the bottom line through cost cutting, or do both. And in this video, I'm gonna talk about why option number one, focusing on the top line, is my preferred course of action for organizations that I advise. I'm gonna talk about why this is important because many organizations immediately think about how they can cut costs in a time of crisis. And it's a natural response. It's a fear-oriented response of not having enough cash to cover your expenses over time. And for many organizations, especially variable cost organizations, that can be right. Why would you order the same amount of food if the restaurant isn't going to serve as much? Why would you order as much product if you're not gonna sell as much? But at the same time, there are a lot of businesses fixed and variable costs that would do well to follow the advice that I'm going to offer because it will set you up for longer term success. So let me walk through my three reasons why businesses should focus on the top line in crisis. Number one, disruption offers an opportunity to change the way that you relate to customers the products that you sell them, the services that you sell them, or it accelerates a timeline of integration or rollout that you might have already had in the works. What do I mean by this? Well, organizations that historically have not been virtual are more open to engaging in a virtual environment. Organizations that are more likely to be non-virtual have a challenge of thinking about how to engage with their customers. And if their first focus is on cost cutting, instead of rolling out a new product or a new service that is in a new world, they immediately think about how they can reduce the time and effort that they spend organizing what they're doing. So disruption offers this opportunity to listen to your customers that you currently have that you can't serve or wouldn't serve in the same way to hear about what it is that they want or are willing to do to engage with you. You can hear about what they're looking at in other places and take share from potential competitors or alternatives that are popping up on their radar. And you can gain a focus for how your business could grow an entirely new business line in the future because virtual and these new products and services are simply unmasking an unmet need, not actually creating an unmet need. So disruption offers this opportunity to provide new relationships, new services, and new products on an accelerated timeline. In addition, it's an opportunity to test them in a really frequently variable environment so that you can test it today and test it tomorrow. And people are more willing to try something out if they have a relationship with you already. So it's an opportunity to build new revenue streams, new relationships. Number two, focusing on the top line uniquely builds company and team loyalty in crisis. 
One of the main things that teams worry about in crisis is the disruption to their own personal livelihood, whether or not the company will exist, whether or not they will have a job. And focusing on the top line gives everybody something to reach for, something to achieve, and something that preserves in a roundabout way exactly what they're worried about losing. So if you get together, focus on new products and services, and take that to the next level, it enables you to keep your team, to keep your company, and to build the loyalty that you have for future dates. And then number three, the reason that cost cutting can be so damaging to organizations is that it can disrupt business recovery later. So while it may seem like a great short-term effort to cut your costs now, if you lose people or you lose supplier relationships or you lose leases or you lose opportunities, then you miss out on those cost-cutting chances that you took for what you want to use later. So let's say, for example, you let somebody go inside your company and they're good, but you were worried about not being able to maintain payroll for them. Sure, fine, totally valid concern. However, if you are going to grow again at some point, and if that person was necessary, then you'll need to rehire. And now you need to go through the extensive hiring, training, and onboarding process. And so sometimes there are hidden costs in cost cutting that aren't completely factored in. Now, let me say this. It depends on the type of company whether or not you can forego cost cutting at all. So top line growth should be the primary focus of every organization. Getting more revenue through the door, having more of a focus of people maintaining the business, building the business for the future, identifying and pivoting into new products and services. All of that is good. You should always do that. But in some organizations, you will need to take option number three, which is focusing on cost cutting and revenue generation at the same time. And cost cutting will be deferrals. Cost cutting might be a portion of expenses. We're seeing a lot of companies furlough their employees one day a week, not five. So they're actually working to maximize efficiency in the other four days, but reduce the pay and the time worked for that extra day. And because of that combined focus, it really changes the way that everything can work together. In addition, uh, it depends on whether the company is primarily a fixed or a variable cost business. In a fixed cost business, a sharp decline in revenue can be devastating because you have almost nothing to do except for cutting costs to respond. And the short-term cash burn of keeping those costs up can decimate your business. And so you have to have either significant cash on hand or cut costs. It's, it's really not an option in a fixed cost business. In a variable cost business, you might have some more flexibility. You can reduce some of your input expenses or delay them or defer them, not in a way that damages your core business, but in a way that simply is adjusting to the demand of the business. So variable cost businesses do have a little bit of an easier time managing to a change like coronavirus. They're able to push out their delivery timelines, push out manufacturing, push out their services, sometimes even push out labor, and that can be attractive. In addition, companies that have very highly valuable human capital, uh, people that are difficult to source and difficult to train are going to want to be more sensitive to not letting those human capital uh, go or get disgruntled during a time of crisis. Whereas those that have more replaceable human capital, and humans are never replaceable, but in some organizations, it's not hard to find somebody else and train them to do a job that was already there before. It might take one day or a week, but not a year like it could in some other 
other roles. Uh, so having the right people in the right roles might be worth maintaining rather than having to go through the hiring process again. So again, businesses that are variable costs have a little bit more flexibility. Businesses that are also focused on labor that are really, really high performance that take a long time to train and integrate into a culture, uh, they're going to be a little less focused on some of the challenges and changes. Um, they're going to work harder to maintain those. I'll just end with a quick story. When I was at Bain, I was explained that some of the success of Bain over time had been through taking this exact strategy. When other people saw a downturn and pulled back on growth, Bain accelerated into the downturn. How do they do that? They invested in their people. They maintained a no layoff policy and kept cash in order to make sure that they could do that even in times of radical disruption. And they pursued new lines of business. And in order to do that, they bought all hands on deck, focus on the new lines of business. And then they were able to at the downturn two to three years before their competitors more aggressively enter new markets, build market share and build products or build onto the products that they had developed. And so I would have never thought of this as my primary mode of operating unless I had been at Bain. I would have thought in a crisis, you can serve cash. That would have been my natural focus. And it changed fundamentally the way that I think as a business operator, the way that I think as an investor, and the way that I think going forward in advising other businesses. Managing through crisis is never easy. So if you want somebody to advise and strategize with you, we're here at Management Consultant to help you. We have an amazing team of ex-consultants who love to take a look at strategies and give new, fresh, and innovative ideas. You can find us at managementconsultant.com. In addition, if you have an idea for a future episode or just want to join us for the ride, please subscribe to the podcast or send us an email, team at managementconsultant.com. We have great material on our website, Management Consultant, and also on our YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us for the ride.